to all you lovely brides and grooms out there. I'm Nikita. And I'm Amelia. And welcome to Guides to Brides, the wedding podcast. This brand new podcast will help guide you through your wedding plan, discuss trends and so much more. Let's get started. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of our wedding podcast. Yes, welcome back and happy Friday. I love that we record these on a Friday. Yeah, such a perfect way to end the week. And today we're all working from home and recording from home. So apologies if you do hear any background noises. Absolutely. And we should say that there is someone else joining us today. Welcome, Sam. Hello to you both. Hi, Sam. Thanks for joining us today. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself before we get started? Yeah, sure. Um, So I've been in the wedding industry for about 15 years now. Um, The first 12 years I was doing wedding photography and planning. And then in 2017, with my business partners, we bought our first wedding venue, which was the Ravenswood. Um, since that time, we've then on to get, gone on to get a few more wedding venues. And we got uh, Crocombe Court, Rushpool Hall, Hackness Grange and Highley Manor. Um, and basically, they are each of them are very different, but they all follow a similar line as in being a country house exclusive wedding venue. And um, yeah, they're really fun and they're really great to run. Obviously, now it's a bit tricky, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I just really enjoy it. And I am very passionate about weddings and could talk about weddings all the time. Thanks, Sam. And I think that intro leads us perfectly into what we will be discussing in this episode. So today we'll be talking all about your wedding venue checklist. Yes, we'll be going through everything you'll need to do, consider and look for when you're choosing your wedding venue. This is kind of the most important task of wedding planning in the early stages because it's the biggest element that gets ticked off the list. Yes, and as you've heard, Sam is the perfect person to discuss all of this with. She's been helping couples plan their weddings for years, so knows all the ins and outs along with some insider knowledge. (laughs) Just a little bit. So, If we do this in a practical order, there are certain things you'll need to know and do in preparation for your venue search. So, Sam, do you have any initial recommendations or anything for couples that they might want to consider? Well, I think the first thing to discuss, um, you know, with your partner and your family is budget. And I think it's Mm -hmm. really important, obviously, to work out what budget is um, available and what budget you are aiming to achieve for your wedding, at which point you can then sort of get an idea of what you would like to spend on your wedding venue. The next thing is to decide what kind of wedding venue you're looking for. Um, there are so many different options out there and I think it's really important to have a look around and then decide what works for you as a couple. For example, There's barn wedding venues, there's all-inclusive wedding venues that are more like country houses, there's local hotels, Uh, town halls are very popular places now Mm. that are also licensed. You could have an at-home marquee wedding. Um, You could also have, um, you know, maybe none of that works for you and you might want to just pop down the registry office and then go to a really lovely restaurant afterwards. It's just a case of working out what style you're looking for. Um, You may not know that might be part of the fun. So the next thing would be to obviously have a look at, um, you know, different venues and use different sites. 
guys for brides obviously to uh you know find your <laughs> venues <laughs> um you know and just have a look around and see what's there and get an idea of price because i think that really is the starting point and most venues are very happy to obviously give you their brochure so you can have a look yeah yeah definitely and you can like on guides for brides for example you can you can send different venues um all over the country wherever you're looking for um to uh, to ask them about brochures to ask them uh, if you can book in a show round to do all sorts of things um and i think another thing that you could probably consider doing before you start um looking for your venue is um to prepare your rough guest list um we referred to this in our last episode as being the big list the list yeah. of people that you would invite uh, in an ideal world where budget and capacity weren't um an I issue i call it the a b and c list Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Absolutely. That's exactly how we talked about it in the last episode. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, and I think as well, just having a little bit of an open mind. Um, you might think you want something and then be like, oh, actually, no, I don't want that. And it's you won't realise it until you start actually investigating. A hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. So when I was looking for wedding venues, I really thought that I wanted a barn wedding and we went to see a couple of barns and I don't know I just felt like it wasn't quite actually what I wanted um and then we ended up going for a venue that was completely different and actually we fell in love with that so I don't think you should really tie yourself down to one particular venue type because you know you might see another one and actually prefer it yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where your point about higher types comes in, Sam, isn't it? Because you, as you were talking about earlier, there are loads of different venues, but also different ways you can hire them. A hundred percent. And I think that is also part of the starting point of searching for your wedding venue for a lot of couples. Um, is they just don't have any idea of what's available um for example especially when you've never planned one before like, oh no of course it's, it's the yeah. biggest ask in the whole wide world it's like yay congratulations <laughs> you got your wedding uh, your engagement ring now you need to plan a party for 100 people or 50 people or whatever it is and you know for some people they jump on it and it's the easiest thing in the whole wide world but for a lot of people it's quite daunting and you know there mm. really is a lot of where do you start um which is yeah also why uh, in lockdown I started the wedding planning hub as just an Instagram and a place to go and get tips and tricks on things but you know I really do also cover things like that that we're talking about in here it's like how do you start this and I think when you're looking at venues it's it's really a case of also looking for the hidden costs and this is something that I really really stress to couples all the time is, uh, you know, I've seen it so many times where they download a brochure and it's like, oh, for 50 guests, it's £2,000. And they're like, oh, that's amazing. And then when they actually start to look into it, it's like, oh, but if you want to have the fireplace turned on, it's another £250. And actually that £2,000 doesn't get you canapes and it doesn't get you, you know, the things that you would be expecting to have in a package. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think actually that's a really good point because, yeah, whereas like dry hire um, is the case of just hiring a venue, nothing else, maybe they'll bring in staff for the bar. That's probably about it. Whereas you have, as you've mentioned, like packages can go up in price depending on what you want. Um, yeah. You know, all in, all inclusive wedding venues might not be as all inclusive as you think it is. You might want to ask about those different prices. 
A hundred percent. And also, you, which you just touched on as well on the dry hire venues, sometimes, particularly if you're going to like a town hall venue, they'll, they'll say to you, um, you know, uh, we'll run the bar or you can run the bar and here's the room. So then the next question is, well, do we get tables and chairs included in that? Or do we have to hire mm. our own tables and chairs? Um, you know, the, the one that gets me all the time is when someone says, oh, we're just going to have a small affair in the garden of our parents' house. And I literally hold my breath because I know that, that those numbers go through the roof because they're just not thinking. It's like by the time you've put a marquee in, you then need cutlery, crockery, tableware, um, you know, all the tablecloths, etc. Then you need portaloos most of the time. Um, yeah. And... Not to mention the fact that it gets cold, so then you're going to need heat lamps and it just... And generators as well. Yeah, absolutely, generators (laughs) to be able to power it all and it just absolutely spirals. Now, someone that obviously works in events can look at that very quickly and have an exact figure and they know know what they'll be doing. But it's for me, it's often like, oh, we're just going to try and do it cheaply and get, you know get uh be in the garden and i'm i'm like oh I, that there's nothing cheap about that unless they have a barn there's nothing cheap about that so it is it's just research um and then it is also thinking about your guests as well um i'm i i go back and forwards on this i always think for the couple they have to pick what works for them and what's really important for mm. them but if you are having a church wedding you need to think about you know, the sort of timings from the church, getting from the church to the venue that you're then going to have your reception. Yeah, that that brings us on to that really good point about making sure you know what type of ceremony you want. Because um, if you want your ceremony uh, in the same place as your your reception or in all in one venue for the whole day, you're going to have to check whether that venue is licensed. Or if you want to have a church wedding, um, as you say, you're going to have to work out those timings for um, how long it takes to get to the venue. I mean, uh, are you going to get married in your local church or are you going to then... um, get married in a different church or are you going to get married in your local church and travel an hour to your dream reception venue is that is and that starve something starve everyone in the process yeah <laughs> yeah and then um, and then also you've kind of got the risk then of people might get lost on the way in between the two venues um which they totally do yeah and it just delays people getting there you if you choose to have everything all in one place like I did because I wanted to avoid all of these issues then that you actually end up spending more time with your guests because they're just they're there already people stop like as a photographer it was my biggest stress was when there was a church wedding and then there was like a a large drive to the venue because what happens is people go oh well we'll just stop at that pub and get a quick drink and then all of a sudden you're there ready to do the group photos and half the guests are missing and you've got this tiny God. window to do these photos and you kind of just go, oh, okay, let's rearrange everything. And <laughs> they just hadn't left enough time because they had such a long drive between the church and the venue. And these are just the silly little things that people just, it would never occur to them. They'd be like, oh, well, that's my dream church and that's my dream venue. But that 45 minutes can be the difference between them having a photo with, you know, granny or not having that photo. But I guess at the same time, if that's something that you really want, you can um, also 
if you consider that time and you plan for it, you can also you can have it. It it just 100%. it just means you have to be really really organised. What about wet or cold weather contingency plans? When do you start thinking about that? Because I mean, as you said, Sam, you might want to have a marquee in your parents' garden, but yes, or uh, is it, are one hundred and fifty of your guests going to fit inside that marquee? Do you plan to have it outside? What 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 do you do if it's wet and cold? Such a good point. Um, this is England. I don't know where everyone's <laughs> listening to this from the, on this podcast, but it's like. I think you have to accept the fact that there is a high possibility it will rain on your wedding day. Now, I think most people think, well, in England, when it does rain, it kind of rains for about 45 minutes and then stops. However, there are certain days, and it isn't always April, sometimes it's August, where it torrential mm-hmm. rains from morning till night. And yeah, God, don't we know it? <laughs> yeah, don't we know it, exactly. Especially on those August days when we're standing there being like, please not today. Um, but... The thing is, is if you've picked a venue that only allows for one room, and this happens with barns, as you just touched on with marquees, um, where there isn't anywhere, like you can only get married inside or you can only be in that room, then as people are, you know, for example, in a barn, if it's just one big barn with nothing else, you'll have your ceremony in there, then you'll all sort of pile down to the other end where the bar is, while the staff desperately try to take all the chairs away, try to lay it up for your meal. Then you kind of go and have your meal. Then you shuffle back to the bar again while they try to take everything else away. And whilst it can work, it's just not a great experience for your guests. And also at our venues, we try to move people from one room to the next room, to outside, to inside. So they constantly have every two hours, they feel like they're in a different place. And I feel like yeah. that tries, that really helps to keep the momentum of the day going and it helps to stop people from getting bored or from being in the same four walls. So that's really something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and I mean, you can't really um, plan a marquee at the last minute, can you? I mean, you, may, you might be able to go and grab a gazebo from someone's from someone's garden but it's never going to fit 150 people under it if you're going to have to change over a room have you ever seen the photo of the mudslide wedding which I just think is hilarious there is like a there's a photo or a little video somewhere that I saw like probably about six months ago where they'd had a marquee but they hadn't hired the floor so they'd had the marquee straight into the grass (laughs) it had torrential rained the floor was a mud bath and the bridesmaids and the couple just went for it and the end pictures they are covered from head to toe in mud and they would just had like festival style mud you know bombing into this mud and they just embraced it because I don't think there was anything else you could do but I remember looking at that picture and being like how many people don't think the ordering a floor is important? And I was like, probably hundreds. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? And I can just picture, like, would do you want to get married in Glastonbury when it's, like, completely tipping it down with rain? Probably not. So you no. you would want to make sure you have that floor. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I, but I don't know if I'd have thought about it. Like, obviously, you hope that the marquee company would push you to get the floor, but, you know, if I was cutting costs, I just I don't think it would ever occur to me that water would come into. I mean, you know, I'm blonde for a reason, but like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it would have ever occurred to me that water would have come in the underneath of a marquee. But when you see it, you're like, oh, gosh, yes, of course. 
there are certain venue types that are associated with a higher budget um obviously like palaces to name one of them castles um although you know you might be surprised actually you might be able to find a castle that's within your budget if that's what you're looking for um but i think it's important to remember that while you're investigating your venues you should always keep your options open in terms of um in, in terms of price because actually if you're thinking about a wedding for uh that's ten thousand pounds most couples would spend pro- approximately 40 to 45 percent of that budget on the venue and catering so you could probably you'd probably know what your budget is but if your dream venue is just that little bit more or even a little bit less you you don't know until you've researched it um you can actually turn it into something more that you like so you know you might find a barn that you love but can't afford the the extra cost of the decor you could probably do a lot of that yourself I mean DIY weddings are very popular at the moment I know a couple and they basically had their hearts set on this dream venue but in order to have that venue they had to reduce their guest list and Mm. they that for them was more important it was more important for them to have you know, their immediate family and their dream wedding venue that was, I mean, it was stunning, but it was like, it was on the absolute, the higher end expensive level. And that was what they wanted. And, you know, I think there were a few people that were a little bit hurt on the side because they were like, oh, we would have wanted to go to that wedding. But at the end of the day, that's what the couple wanted. And they they had a perfect wedding. And for them, they have such amazing memories of their wedding. And that was what they wanted. And when you really asked them, they were like, we just didn't want 100 people staring at us. We just wanted that much more intimate. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, intimate wedding. And I was like, okay, I, I do. I understand that. And that's, it's so personal. You have to do what's right for you. Yeah, and I mean, we we touched on this last time, didn't we, Amelia? Like, we did, um, yeah. It's like the, the quality over quantity thing. Yes. Yeah, and sometimes when you are having to reduce the guest list, it would be, um, like, if you want more guests, you probably have to compromise on the quality. If you want less guests, you can probably up the quality. It, it It's, as you say, a completely personal decision. A hundred percent. Particularly, you know, if you want to have that sort of fine dining, six courses you know, that kind of experience. Well, you're not, well, some, some are, some couples absolutely are, but you're not necessarily going to do that for 250 people. Whereas, you know, if you, but then you can do it another way. You can also find a venue where you could have that absolutely intimate, smaller numbers in the day. And then they give you the keys to the big ballroom in the evening. And you can then invite all of those additional people that you weren't able to have for the meal. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So there's always ways to look at it, different ways to look at it. Yeah, as we keep saying in these podcasts, it's your wedding. Do what you want to do. <laughs> totally. It's your money as well. Like if you want to spend it on um, a luxury venue and only have 20 guests, go for it. Like I think what we've learned this year from all those micro weddings is um, that they can be just as special. Just um, as special. And you can up the luxury. Yeah, which is and, the bonus. And no one that's had the micro weddings from my experience that, I mean, there may be some, but from everything I've seen, particularly on my Instagram and on the venues, Instagrams and the ones we've had at our venues um, is very much the, you know, they have their micro wedding. They've had their 15 people, 30 people, or we like to call it intimate wedding. Um, <laughs> and mm-hmm you know they've had the intention some of them of like oh we'll do this again next year and then you know we get a phone call yeah we get a phone call like six weeks later being like oh do you know what we're married like 
it was so perfect it was so amazing we loved it so much and actually now we're married and we don't we don't feel the need to do this again we might have a big party but like Mm -hmm. in terms of like getting married they're like no we got married like that was amazing (laughs) Yeah. yeah, and I think that's what people forget, isn't it? That is, is part of it is about actually getting the marriage done. Yeah, that's quite an important That's a very part. special thing, yeah. <laughs> I think that leads us on quite nicely to, you know, where you can actually look for inspiration for your wedding, whether you want, you know, a big venue with lots of people or you do want something smaller and more intimate. Well, I mean, I think Guides for Bride is perfect. You can just go to the website and you can search and find a number of different venues quite quickly and very easy to, like you said earlier, um, you know, get the information as to how much it costs. And, Mm. you know, it's quite a good place to find lots of venues in your area. You know, and then obviously there's a a lot of couples, the first thing they do is they start a Pinterest board because they're, you know, going for inspiration. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I had mine since I was like 12, so... Yeah. Okay, I wasn't going to say that, but yes, I think we may all have done that. Um, Yeah. And I think it's a great, great place to not only look for, like, venue inspiration, but it gets you an idea of, like, your overall look and feel of your wedding. And that actually sometimes helps you to inform the venue decision. A thousand Um, percent. No, you're totally right, because if you get that idea of... If you fall in love with some a style on Pinterest, you know, that style may be, uh, you know, a vintage style or a botanical or anything, whatever that may be. If you mm. were then had, you know, a vision of your venue being a certain way, you may then look at that style and look at the venue and be like, oh, hey, hold on, this this is not going to match. And I yeah. also say the same for wedding dresses. Like, do not buy your wedding dress until you've nailed your venue. Because Yeah, I think once you've got the right vibe that you want, then you can match a venue to it and then actually you know take your Pinterest board round to all your suppliers and be like look this is what I want this kind of feel can you know can you recreate it yeah I think uh, yeah I think that's a good point like bringing your Pinterest board round with you um, when you go and see your venue and just sort of saying to them like I love this um, fairy light wall is this something that's possible to do here Um, how much is that going to cost me because I can't do it myself you know it it helps you to ask the right questions but also that exactly what you just said there was perfect because that helps you find the restrictions if your venue had a wedding the day before they may say to you you only have a two-hour window in the morning to set up in which case you're either getting a venue decorator in to do it or you know that the venue has to be so so beautiful or your style that you don't actually have to add that much to it and then you're just bringing the boxes for the centerpieces and you know a few bits to go around the venue but you're not giving the venue a complete overhaul in two hours but the most important part of that is to find out what happens at the end of the night because I've seen you know in my photography days I've seen brides who at the end of the night have been trying to get up a ladder half cut let's say (laughs) trying to take decoration down because the venue is like you've got one hour to get everything out and the family is scrambling around and you know you kind of take a look and like oh gosh this is you know an absolute nightmare because they they've been told everyone has to leave at 11 and by 12 all the decor has to be out and of course no one wants to do that at the end of their wedding no because in their heads they have this idea of you know a nice sparkler send off or something and then actually you know there's a lot of work at the end of the day if you are doing it diy 
Yes, and let's be honest, some couples can't stand properly at the end of their wedding. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Sore feet. <laughs> yeah, we'll sore that. feet, that's the <laughs> let's move on to that process of finding a venue and choosing the best one for you I mean again Sam you are very much the expert on this um, and you probably do this every single day of your life I mean I I can't imagine the amount of times you've done this many many times (laughs) I've shown people around venues and been like this is you know obviously I'm gonna say all of my venues are the best venues in the world um however I actually really struggled to find my venue in the beginning um, and I did end up, whilst I was engaged, that was when we then bought our wedding venue, the first one, and that is where I went on to get married because I obviously fell in love with it. But um, I'm not going to lie, I found the whole process really overwhelming in the beginning and it was that kind of like, oh, there's so much choice. And then I would get these brochures through and they had all these add this for five pounds and add this for three pounds. And I was like, I just, I don't have the headspace to create a spreadsheet Mm. and mathematically work this out. But I do think now there are, um, you know, I think people have wised up to that and gotten a bit, bit better with their brochures and a bit better with their pricing. So I feel like when you do actually arrive at the venue, like the first thing to do is like maybe download like 20 brochures, have a good look at everything, nail it down to your your favorite five. And then from those favorite five, call up, get an appointment. Um, I think from the moment you're emailing or calling, that is when you are assessing the venue. Do they email you back quickly? Was it easy to get their brochure? Did they did they answer the phone when you called them? If they didn't answer the phone, was there an answer phone service? Did they call you back the next day? Like, obviously, I think 24 hours is acceptable because they may be doing a venue, particularly if they're the type of venue that, you know, is family run because some barn venues yeah. are family run. You have to give them a bit of time. But it's a how's the correspondence in the beginning. Then when you get to the venue for the tour, it's very much like, how do you feel? Like when you get to that part where it's like, well, this is where you walk down the aisle. Can you envision yourself walking down the aisle? You know, when it gets to the, this is where you'll have your photos. Can you see like, oh, we could have this pretty photo over there. Yeah, it's yeah always... definitely. It's a bit like buying a house if you're oh, it's totally like buying a house. Like, yes, I'm going to put my TV here and my sofa here. <laughs> totally. And if it doesn't fit your feng shui, then it's, it doesn't fit your feng shui. Um, yeah. I do also think as well, though, the person giving you the tour is a very good indicator of the venue. And, you know, if that person's really caring, if they're really excited for your wedding, if they're there to listen to you, um then that's a really good sign I've seen it so many times I've heard it so many times from couples that say oh well we just went to this venue and you know the the person giving us a tour basically gave us a five minute tour and was like that's where the ceremony is that's where the um you know you'd have your three course meal and here's outside where you take some pictures if you want to have a look around go for it I've got another appointment now um you know let me know what you think type thing and went off and left them and they just felt it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And you have to feel like that person, like everything, you know, the venue aside, like I do know people that have gotten married in a venue that wasn't the venue that they loved, but they felt like that was the venue that was going to look after them the best. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if you do have any problems or issues that come up, you want to know that there is someone there that actually is willing to help you and wants you to have 
the best day of your life. And yeah, and I mean, you can also translate that into like a photographer as well, couldn't you? So would you book your wedding photographer if you didn't click with them? Like, why why would you book that venue if you don't feel like you're going to be looked after? Yeah, and the photographer is going to be by your side the whole day. You have to like them. Yeah. Like when they turn around to yeah. you and be like, kiss each other. You don't want to be like, oh, please stop <laughs> telling me to do that. Like you, you want to be in the moment and really excited and yeah, it's the same for your venue. And also you have to you have to be able to feel like you can communicate to your venue. Like our policy at our venues is no question is too stupid. Like if you think it, ask it, even if you think it's ridiculous. And also you can ask the same question a hundred times. If you ask it a hundred and one times, we might tell you to go back and read read the previous email. But we're never <laughs> gonna send you an email that says, Well, we've already answered that question, read the email. Because it's just so much information. So it's like we're happy to keep repeating ourselves and we're happy to be there and answer the questions. And you need to ask that, like, okay, well, if I book with you, you know, do I get to come back and have a tour with my photographer? Do I get a final details meeting with you? Am I able to come to the venue? You know, what, when am I allowed to come to the venue to measure things? Or if I want to decide where to put my photo booth, can I come and have another look round? Like, what is your policy on this? And yeah, and I think it's a really good idea to actually, you know, just have a really big list of every single question you can think of. So that when you actually either emailing the venue or going to see them in person, that you've got that list, you know, have a pen with you so you can actually write down the answers. And then so many people do it. it. Like, don't be embarrassed to do it. So many people do it. Like, it's really funny. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's really funny. Like, people turn up and you're like, so do you have any questions? And they literally crack open the book and you're like, okay, (laughs) let's go. Let me see how many of these I can get through, you know. Let's talk about um, creating that sort of like shortlist of venues. So, I mean, my recommendation for couples out there now would be to um, do the search, do the research, go on, go on somewhere like Guides for Brides and have a look at all the venues that are at your disposal. Send out those inquiries, see what information comes back and then put it into a big like spreadsheet or, you know, folder, however you want to work. Um, and then sort of identify your favourites read the reviews because the reviews are going to be like essential um add links to it um write pros and cons um ask for more information yeah but I think that's that's exactly right it's um you know what differentiates one beautiful house from another beautiful house or one beautiful barns I mean when barns first started they were literally cow sheds and I'm not even joking it was like a farmer (laughs) had a cow shed and was like hey I've just taken the cows out we've cleaned the floor but you can come and get married here Um, and that's how barns started but now they've evolved into incredible beautiful structures um you know, and um, I think some of the barns are just as stunning as some of the stately homes. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah, it is just a, I think it's just, you kind of have to, I think price point is the first one, like whittle it down on price point, like what does actually fit in your budget or just about fit in your budget. Um, and then what, you know, what can accommodate numbers? It's always the first question is numbers. There's no point in going to yeah. look at a venue that can't accommodate your numbers. The second thing yeah. is when you're when you're getting like when you're making that decision is check dates. You know, it's like you do you you know, do you want to go uh, my consultants are going to kill me for saying this, but do you want to go and look at a venue that doesn't have your date? 
um because mm. they will be like yes or an approximate come. date like even if you say oh do you have any saturdays in the summer like even if it's that do you want to go see them if you don't yeah. if they don't have those but they might not have any saturdays in summer in mm. which case that's really important to get clear um you know, I joke about my consultants, but they do actually, that is what they like to sort of figure out with people is like, they don't want someone to come. They don't want to waste their time either and do an hour's tour with them and then find out that the only date they're willing to get married is this date. And you're like, well, I already have a wedding on that date. And then they're like, well, you know, it's a waste of everybody's time. Yeah. Um, but I think on the couple's perspective as well, that if there is a venue that they really love the look of and they, the date isn't available that they want, actually if they don't rule that out and still go and see it they might find actually they can compromise another date that they weren't originally planning so they can still have that venue and that is a thousand percent correct and that is where I do think you also do need to keep in mind because if a venue doesn't have any Saturdays that means it is a very popular venue which generally means it's a very good venue and Mm. I had a really funny discussion with um, a gentleman on the wedding planning hub I'd posted something in uh, actually in the Facebook group I'd posted something about um, you know when's everyone getting married and we're having a good old chit chat and he came back saying that he was looking to have 150 people but couldn't decide whether to get married in May or around Christmas because he wanted a Christmas themed wedding but with that many guests he felt he should have it in May and I was like you should try and have it in May with that many guests because you don't want them all to be stuck inside. That's a lot of guests to have inside. And I was like, but there's nothing wrong with having a Christmas theme in May. You just have to stylize it a little bit different. <laughs> anyway, we had this whole back and forwards and I sent him pictures <laughs> and everything. And now he's like, oh, we're going to hang snowflakes from the ceiling and you know, have this sort of navy and gold theme going through it. And actually... Oh, that's be beautiful. That's such a good colour scheme. It's going to be incredible. Um you know and it just because it's spring doesn't mean you have to have spring colors and just because it's winter doesn't mean you have to have winter colors like you can do anything you want yeah, to yeah that's that sounds amazing i mean i think that leads nicely on to how to shortlist your favorites um because you know you might have like a list your long list could include 20 venues so you've done all of this pros and cons you've managed to cut it down so our recommendation is about 5 on your shortlist um, yeah i agree yeah and then having getting in touch with those I mean if it's six I mean it's not going to matter but you know just reaching out having conversations going on a tour even at the moment a virtual tour um and you know it's just it's just getting down to the nitty-gritty because as long as you know the difference between your needs versus your wants you can probably compromise on the wants a little bit um and as long as you're clear on like every single one of those venues that you've shortlisted, I've got everything you need, then it should be not an easy decision, but something that is a little bit less of a stressful thing to decide on. I think you'll connect as well. I think if you if you shortlist it down to five, I think that's a great number. I actually think the national average is three. Wow. Um, people shortlist it down to three that they're actually going to visit. That said, I've met someone that's visited 20 you know it really depends what you're into um you know and again there's no right or wrong way to do that but I think you I do sometimes think that people do they whittle it down to five and they might even go and look at the first two of those and fall in love with the second one and then go actually we don't need to see anything else this is what we want to see uh this is where we want to get married or they might go and see all of them 
because they all do have a similar package, similar price structure, etc. And then it is, it's just down to which one is the one that gave you that emotional connection that makes you want to get married at that venue. Um, sure. Plus, it's quite fun going to look at venues, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you finally decided on the one that you really want to book for your wedding day, then you actually need to put down a deposit to hold your date. <laughs> The especially part, if it's the financials <laughs> yeah especially if it's a very popular venue you know you want to get that deposit in so that no one else snaps your date a hundred percent and that is really key I think if you do if you do look at a venue and I think and you think actually do you know what this is possibly the one um there's nothing wrong with asking them to put a like put a provisional down for you and most venues will do that they'll allow you to have a week or three days or whatever it is that they they give you to then go away and try and get into the other venues you know quickly I do think it's important if you're looking at venues to try and look at them across two weekends because if you do find a venue you love you want to put that provisional down you're more than likely able to let them keep that provisional until you've seen all of the venues um at which point you then want to go back and you know they'll have saved your date and then you will be paying your deposit now every venue is different there isn't a right or wrong way to you know to pay that deposit um I think it's very important to get the terms and conditions so that you've had a look through the terms and conditions and you understand what you are signing up for um deposits are normally non-refundable um and you kind of, well, they're often not called deposits, they're called booking fees. Um, and that, that makes them non-refundable. Obviously, if something goes wrong, most venues are very happy to discuss that. And actually, they will, you know, yeah. work something out with you. But it, you do need to, like, when you are paying that deposit, you are, or booking fee, you are committing to that venue. And um, if you actually go ahead with that venue, they then take that deposit out of your final payments. Yes, 100%. That deposit is part of, or booking fee is part of your full balance. And they normally will have something whereby, you know, six months before your wedding or depending on the timeline to your wedding, you will pay another chunk towards your wedding, which is quite good because it means that by the time you actually get to the final numbers and going, these are my final numbers and you get your final bill, you've actually already paid half of it. So you're not approaching um, you know, the day of the wedding and all of a sudden you have to pay out all this money to all these different people, the suppliers, um, as well as everything towards the venue. Um, quite a lot of venues will obviously also take the full balance beforehand if you wanted to. Um, just you have to sort of leave a little bit of space if your numbers change. And some venues will also allow you to pay monthly should you wish to do that. But you do yeah. need to really understand that by the day you walk in to have that wedding, you have to have your account fully settled because they will not put the wedding on unless you have fully paid for it. There's no, oh, well, we'll pay it monthly after the wedding. It's, it doesn't work <laughs> like that. Yeah. Right. And I think actually that, that actually links nicely back to that point about knowing what your budget is and knowing what you can afford um, before you start looking. Because um, as long as you've worked it out and done the maths beforehand, even if you go slightly over budget, you need to know how much, you know, where's your buffer? What is the buffer zone so that you you know, like, oh, this venue is going to be within the budget but you know there might be that one extra cost like um like you say lighting the fire that you really yeah. wanted to have it does your buffer cover that um yeah. all that sort of stuff 
think there'll be some other couples out there who, especially right now, will be feeling a little bit nervous about putting a deposit or a booking fee down on a venue because of COVID. Um, how does your venue approach that worry? So there's two things that we're doing right now. We were actually one of the first venues to start doing like Zoom tours. Um, mm-hmm. As soon as this hit, I uh, very, very quickly you know, we piece things together with photos and everything so that the consultants were able to do really good online tours with people. Mm. Um, You know, we also had one, a video made in one of the venues, like, funnily enough, we just had it finished just before this happened. And we were able to use that to tour. That's really good. Yeah, so really lucky. And then I've also been saying, you know, to other venues, like, hey, come on, you guys need to do this too. Because, you know, I want everyone to win out of this. I want all venues to come out of COVID, you know, still standing, doing well. Um, And we have been so fortunate in the sense that this year we've actually booked um, our highest ever weddings. And I think that's that's actually really good out this year. Yeah, it just shows that people are still excited. They still want to get married. And what we're doing is we've been doing the Zoom tours and we say, look, we'll do the Zoom tour. We'll take a, a reduced deposit. And when you come to visit the venue, you can pay the balance. Um, and if you come to visit the venue and suddenly decide, no, actually, this isn't the right venue for me, that's okay. And we will refund you your initial deposit. And you have that that one day to basically make that decision because it is like we want the wedding industry to continue. We want people to be able to get married. We want the venues to be supported. We want the suppliers to be supported. Yeah. And I think that's a very good way of doing it is it gives people the safety to know that they can put deposit down and then they can visit the venue and see it in person and if it is still everything that they thought it was going to be fantastic and if it isn't well that's not a problem and we just nicely part ways and wish them well so um giving away my trade secrets now but I think (laughs) well thank you (laughs) yeah you're welcome I think that's a really nice way to do it um you know obviously I'm hoping that we come through this time period not too not too long now um yeah I think we're all hopeful that it's like gonna only be in the next sort of few months that things start to wind up again rather than keep going in back and forth in these lockdowns absolutely but we've had a lot of inquiries to 2025 and I've had to turn around and just be like stop now (laughs) (laughs) like we understand you want to be careful and cautious but um you know a five-year that's very rare you hear of people doing five-year planning and I just think that you'll get bored (laughs) yeah it's just too long it's too long it's like you know I think as long as your venue is a well-established venue with a good reputation um you know and actually a good indication is if they do have quite a lot of weddings um you know the venues will be fine and I think it is in, you know obviously you can ask the venue what is their COVID policy how do they feel what you know what's happens um you know should anything happen again in the future um but I I think there is confidence in booking now and I think good. it's a good sign and I think so many people got engaged at Christmas and they're just excited and they're planning and they want yeah. to they want to embrace wedding planning. Oh, I will just say one thing I saw today on uh, Instagram stories that someone tagged me in that I just thought was so sad is um, a lot of the wedding magazines have stopped printing. 
And they stopped printing during COVID because people weren't going out buying the wedding magazines and they flipped to online and they probably will start printing again. But she was saying she just got engaged at Christmas and she's so excited to look at wedding magazines and all of a sudden there aren't any. Um, uh, it's like it's like that Friends episode where like Rachel brings all the magazines in into the <laughs> cafe for Monica and she's like, yes. I just had to stop and buy these wedding magazines for you, even though Monica's not engaged yet. Um, <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just one of those May have all done that before. too. <laughs> um yeah I mean I think that is part of the fun is getting engaged and suddenly getting a bunch of magazines and being able to look at them but I do feel that that's where then you know the strength of companies like yours comes into play because then it's like people are able to then turn online and find great suppliers and you know good information about weddings and listen to this podcast obviously (laughs) obviously (laughs) you know as you said, every venue's booking process is different. Um, do you have any advice for couples on how they approach the difficult questions about booking and questions about their terms and conditions, especially if they're not certain about a terms and condition, like a clause in the terms and conditions? Yes, uh, communicate, 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 communicate. There's nothing wrong with communicating and you have to be able to know you can freely communicate to your venue. So, um if you see something you don't like in terms of conditions, knock yourself out, give them a call, have a chat through it. There may be a very simple explanation. For example, we don't allow fireworks in any of our venues and it's because most of our venues are situated near farmland. And, mm-hmm. you know, that for us, some people, that's a game a deal breaker. They won't book a venue because they want to have fireworks and that's completely okay. Um, occasionally, sometimes it's something in the terms and conditions Um, that actually can be changed and you could phone up and say oh I'm not really sure about this point and it's a case of well it's been put in as a blanket terms and conditions for example a bouncy castle like it may say in the terms and conditions you can't have a bouncy castle now that might be because the venue doesn't want to have a bouncy castle every day of the year because (laughs) kids get very excited makes lots of noise might make the neighbors upset but you know what once in a while actually they would agree to it. So you may be the once in a while. So I do think it's important to always question things, especially also if something doesn't quite make sense. Um, Yeah, or if you just don't understand. Like if if it's just something that you're not, like sometimes the jargon in these terms and conditions can be quite confusing. So just reach out to them and ask them what it means. Like it's not, as you say, no question is too stupid. There's nothing wrong in asking anything of your venue. You're giving them a lot of money. It's the biggest expense on your wedding. Um, well, in most cases, some people's dresses are more. But, <laughs> um, you know, it, it is the biggest expense of your wedding. And you should be able to ask anything you want, whenever you want, and feel comfortable doing so. The only thing I would like to remind everybody is that the person on the other end of your questions is human. And... Yeah. Um, you know, if there is anything that is happening with your wedding or something you would like to communicate, then, you know, just read your emails back and maybe a phone call might be better, um, you yeah. know, because everyone likes to receive nice emails. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think actually uh, adding on to what you just said there, I mean, if you're planning right now when this when this podcast comes out, um, you know, your ve- a lot of your venue staff may be on flexi furlough. So give them a few days, give them a few days grace. Like don't, don't stress if you haven't heard from them, but there will generally always be someone at the other end of the phone um, to answer it or, or at least return your call. Um, 
but yeah it's, it's just worth considering right now it's a little bit difficult um but you know that should hopefully end in april so you know we people hope. we hope Fingers it will crossed. come back to normal um so leading on from like terms and conditions and things you know what would you advise to couples who are maybe feeling a little bit uncomfortable about the prices and things again my consultants will probably not be best pleased with me saying this but if you don't (laughs) ask you don't get um yeah I think there's always there's always a time to ask a question so for example our minimum numbers in our venue sometimes is 40 um and we generally tend to obviously current situation aside we generally don't tend to do weddings under 40 however If someone asks and says, look, I'm really looking to have a wedding for 25, I love your venue, then we're like, great, how does Tuesday sound for you? Because funnily enough, we do weddings seven days a week in the summer, but outside the summer period, not many people get married on Tuesday. They're quite happy to get married on Monday and Wednesday, but Tuesdays, they just don't. So obviously, I'd rather have a wedding than not have a wedding. Um, And then sometimes as well, someone can come back and say, oh, well, we're really looking at doing this. But in order to have your venue, um, you know, we are uh, struggling with the price of the rooms, or we're struggling with this, or we're struggling with that. And, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with asking, is there something you can do to help that? The venue may turn around and say, no, there's nothing we can do. That is the set price. We're really popular right now. There's five people after your date and they're all willing to pay the set price, in which case, fine. Or they may turn around and say, yes, actually, do you know what? We think you're a great couple. We really enjoyed showing you around. And actually, you know, we're already throwing the honeymoon suite in, but we'll also throw in, you know, your either both sets of parents' bedrooms as well. Or if you pay today, we'll put a little bit behind the bar or we'll reduce it by 500 pounds or something. Mm. I think everything is flexible. Obviously, it depends who you're dealing with. If you're dealing with a big corporate company, um, you know, that's part of a big chain of hotels, there may not be much maneuverability on it, but they can often throw in something or give you a little discount somewhere. Um, But I do think it just, it very much depends on when you're booking, how you're booking, and when you're hoping to get married. I think if you're trying to get married in four years time, then no, it's not very likely. I think if you're in January and you're talking about getting married that July, I think you've got quite a good place to start bargaining. My my husband is quite cheeky and he's an accountant, so he uh, <laughs> likes to talk money. Um, I bet you didn't you know, go he, over budget. <laughs> oh, no, no. He he got us a very good discount because he, he was he was cheeky, but he did ask, you know, is there anything that you can maybe reduce for us or, you know, throw in extra? Because we were getting married... Um, I think in about six months time by that point and um, so yeah. we had quite a short engagement so and they gave us like some free canapes and things um included so as you say if you don't ask you don't get sam thank you so so much for joining us today everything that you've said has been super insightful and i'm sure it's going to help so many couples out there especially when they're looking for their venue right now it's very difficult isn't it it's a difficult decision it's a huge decision and um you know thank you so much for having me i've really really enjoyed it yeah it's been lovely having you on sam thanks so much for being our very first guest (laughs) and of course as always we've covered quite a bit in this episode so you will be able to find all the relevant links and information in the show notes and in this episode's blog 
just head over to guidesforbrides.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And you can also follow Sam's wedding planning Instagram at the wedding planning hub. We'll definitely mention it in the show notes as well. And you can learn more about Sam's venues on Guides for Brides too. The links to their listings will all be in the show notes. We'll chat to you all again in a couple of weeks where we'll be discussing the key wedding supplies for your day and the general planning timeline. For now, please follow at Guides for Brides on social media. And if you haven't already, please do leave us a review so that other couples can easily find us as well. Thanks again for listening. Chat to you soon. Bye. Bye.